you just reduce the volume a little bit. Thank you. I, I love this man. I love this man. Uh, I love this man. He's an amazing man. He's not only my keyboardist, but he's my husband. Praise the Lord. Such a humble man. All 19. We have a great musician amongst us here. I don't know if you've heard his song style, stick to your lane every day. It's a very beautiful song. It reminds us of which lane we should stick to. We should stick to the Lord's name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I will try my best to compose myself, but we all know that is going to be an utter failure, but it's always good to hope. We spoke about hope. Um, and uh, let me not lose my hope. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I want us to, to indulge in the next uh, element of the supremacy and excellencies of Jesus Christ. Our, our verse, for those who are joining us for the first time, um, for those who are joining us for the first time, is coming from uh, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4. I will read it so that we are all at, at par, and then we shall look at the next page. So I'll read in the NIV version. It says, um, that's Hebrews chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4. And it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors, to the prophets, and that many times and in various ways, but in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So we have talked, we talked about how Christ is the son. We talked about how Christ is the heir of all things. We also talked about him as being the creator of all things. And today we are focusing on verse 3, part A of verse 3, which is the sun is a radiance of God's glory. The sun is a radiance of God's glory. In other words, we're looking at the effulgence. Nice word there. Effulgence of Jesus. I'm sorry, effulgence, effulgence. It's okay. It's okay. My mind is teacher. Effulgence, effulgence of God's glory. Um, that is the brightness or the light. So, the word brightness, which is a derivative as well of radiance, and that's synonym of the word radiance. The word brightness is a Greek word, apogasma which is A-P-A-A-P-A-U-G-A-P-A-U-G-A-S-M-A. 
A-P-A-U-G-A-S-M-A, apogasma, which is from apo, meaning off or away, and ogazo, ogazo is A-U-G-A-Z-O, A-U-G-A-Z-O, meaning to beam forth, to shine the effulgence and brightness. Therefore, when we say the word brightness, it means to send forth light. Jesus, the sun, sends forth light. Jesus sends forth light. Jesus is the manifestation of God. And from what we can also understand from that is that he is the radiant light that comes from the Father. He's a radiant light coming from the Father. And he expresses the glory of the Father. I want you to ponder upon that a little bit. Um, when you think about things that light emanates from, and think about a light bulb, think about the sun. Let's not talk about the moon because the moon borrows from the sun, so that's out of the question. Maybe think about the stars. Yes? <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Pastor Peter said the glow, the glow warm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that also produces light in darkness. What an illustration. Keep thinking. I'm not going to put restrictions as long as you know your fireflies. I am. Uh, so I want you to think about that just a little bit. And when you imagine what we get from the sun, we get, a, we get warm from the sun, yes? I think I'll use that one because Nairobi has finally gotten some sunshine, praise the Lord. So from it, you begin to see a radiance, both in warmth and in light. And it's almost impossible to hide the sun because even when you cannot feel its warmth, you still see its light. There are some countries that do not see the warmth of the sun, but they're able to still determine day from night because there is some light. And that emphasizes things that light can never be hid. Light can never be hid. The sun can never be hid. Praise God. Jesus can never be hid. Regardless of how the world might try and dispute on his existence or his power or his existence, he still can never be hid. He can never be hid. And if he is the father's expression, then it also means that the father can never be hid from us. That the father is such an exuberant form of light and warmth that he, he, he can't help but to radiate it through his son to us. And when something is illuminated, as we are thinking about some, you know, an object or a thing that is able to, you know, uh, give out light or light emanates from, 
when something is now illuminated, it looks glorified. I'm using very simple explanation because I don't want to sound too technical that you're not able to understand what this actually means. When something is illuminated, when you put someone in the spotlight and not in terms of uh, uh, questioning them or, you know, they are given an account of story or, or a story or anything like that, but maybe they're on a stage and the spotlight falls on them. It distinctively sets them apart from everybody else that is around them. And they seem that they have been almost haloed. They have been glorified. And when we say that Jesus is the brightness of his glory, it means that it is through Christ that we see the glory of God. He emanates light, and from that light, we can understand God's beauty, God's glory, God's grace, God's power, God's everything about him is magnified because of what Jesus, of who Jesus is. And it is so important for us to consistently see Christ as, can I say the mediator or the, or the can I say the mirror as to which we see God's glory? Because from there, we're able to see ourselves as well as glorified. When you are wowed by the wonder of God, your heart can be easily wowed by the wonder of his creation, and that is you. And that it is impossible for a person to hate themselves. It is impossible for you to have such a low regard of who you are. And this is something that is very I'll personalize it a little bit as we go down into scripture because remember we always have to give evidence of where this is coming from and scripture loves to can I say represent or give a reference of itself through other scripture but I will talk about a struggle that I had for a very long time another about self-esteem and it has taken years and years of peeling those onions to begin to understand and to appreciate myself as God created me to be. I, going through this, I told you this thing is not something that I whipped up. I go through it over and over again because this year it made a lot of sense to me. A lot of things are put there that are very personal, even though I may not mention names as much. But this particular one made me now love, love the person that God created. And I'm even talking about the external part before I go to the, the inwards, the innards of my being. And I've begun to appreciate the person that I am because I am a reflection of his glory. And going even deeper to my inward being, my personality that may easily be misunderstood or you know come out in various forms that may sometimes be abrasive, but not out of hate or love, is still something that is beautiful because it is a facet of his glory. And if I'm able to accord that to God, then I'll be able to tame 
anything that is wayward that the enemy might want to plant within me to distort that or to discredit whatever good thing that you put in me. And that's the same thing I'm sharing with each and every one of us. That when you begin to appreciate the glory of God through his son Jesus, you will appreciate yourself and you will appreciate the people around you. They may not be meeting certain expectations that you may have, but that doesn't devalue them because God's glory is upon them. And it's because of Christ that we're able to appreciate God's glory. He is the brightness of God's glory. And because we are now one with him through the spirit, then we can unashamedly say that we are also the brightness of God's glory. That by him and through him, we are able to impact the world and manifest and manifest the character of God and the beauty of God in this day and age. You know, when scripture says that the whole world is groaning and it's yearning and it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, it is not talking about you being a, a prime minister or being um, a political elector, a politician, whatever it is, or being a great CEO or a manager somewhere or a personality. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the manifestation of God's glory in this day and age, in this world. It is not talking about a position. And I really want us to get this into our mind, that whenever you hear a teaching that is compelling you to be a, a manifested son of God based on things that are fleeting, I think just rub, erase that one. Don't, don't, don't find a home for that word. Let it just pass through your mind and go, because your ears are still open. There are gates, they will hear but don't let that settle in you because that will make you pursue the wrong thing. You will not be pursuing the image. You will not be pursuing knowledge of who God is. You will not be pursuing the grace, learning more about the grace of God in your life. Instead, you will be pursuing a position which is fleeting. Kings and kingdoms have passed away. Great men and women who have existed in this earth are only talked of posthumously in hindsight. And it's not an everyday experience. It's just once that if you're talking about, you say, oh yeah, you know, Sister said this, or, you know, uh, President, the late Jomo Kenyatta said this. You know, you can mention them, but they are not a standard by which people live by because they were never the standard in the first place. And they don't transcend time. They are not, cannot be equated to the glory that God has. So when we are called to be sons manifesting ourselves in this earth, again, it is not to take up a position. It's not to be a leader, financially or politically. It's not to be a wife. It's not to be a husband. Neither is it to be a child. It is to exude the power and the grace that is enveloped in the glory of God. His beauty, his his character, the likeness and image we're talking about is the, the let's say his DNA, let me call it that, that we are to show forth his DNA, which can never, 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 never be on the same pedestal as these material things that we see. 
And when I say this, I do not mean that we should not pursue, uh, you know, the work that we have been called to do here on earth. I'm not saying now you quit your job, say, I'm not going to work hard so I can get a promotion. My job here is just to, you know, show forth the character that God has got. Please work hard or you need the money to pay bills, you need the money to go for holidays, to pay data, to come to Zoom, to give and give for charity. You need that money. I'm not saying now you give up on the ambition of being a wife or a husband, but now, oh, oh that is not God's glory. No. All I'm saying that cannot be the focus of your day-to-day -day existence. So I want us to read um, a few things, uh, a few scriptures, scriptural references from, uh, from various uh, books in the Bible that tell us about Christ as, as the radiance and brightness of his glory. And I want you to take that down because when you begin to read about it, it kind of replays itself in your mind and you just stop seeing it as a text that you're passing through that God, that Christ is the radiance and the beauty or the brightness of his glory. But it begins to give some substance to what that impact, what impact that has in your life and how you will need to ex extend the same impact to other people's lives. So I want us to go to uh, John chapter 8. Verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Are you there? Are you there? You're there. Okay. Oh, very good. Very good. And um, so John chapter 8, verse 12. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light which is life. He called himself the light. He called himself the light. And he emphasized that those who follow him will not be walking in the dark but we'll have the light, which is life. In this reference, we also get to understand, I think this is one of the teachings that Pastor Peter also mentioned, that when we are talking about light in this context, we also understand that light is being represented. That whenever you see darkness, it means there is death. If there is darkness, there is death. If there is light, then you know there is a light and vice versa. So when Christ calls himself the light of the world, that he is exuding the brightness of God's glory, then you know that he's also exuding the light of God. And therefore, if we are to follow him, walking with him, then we know, we are convinced and confident that we have life in him. Okay? Um, let's go to um, just one minute. Um, John chapter 9, verse 5. John 9, verse 5. It's another reiteration. And he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. As long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. 
you know, I think other versions said, while I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Now, somebody can easily say that because now Jesus is not here physically, then the light has gone. But weren't you also called the light of the world? Aren't you carrying his fullness in you? Then that means as long as we are here, then we are the light of the world. That gives us a very big you know, responsibility. Like I mentioned before, that we are the ones exuding as well the glory of God. So while you and I are still here, then we are mandated to be the light of the world. And it is not so much about the action that we do, but the, the reality of our presence, the fact that we have Christ and Christ is in us, we are actually automatically the light. You know, whether you, you know, okay, if you have a light bulb, you, or whether it's electricity, then the electricity is flowing through a building. You expect that whatever appliance will be there or will be attached to it, whether it's a light bulb or a microwave, as long as there are sockets and the wiring is done right, then you know the appliance will work. Therefore, likewise for a believer, you are a charge, you are, you are, you are the light. Just because you are not shining in your workplace does not mean that you're not the light. It just means that you're not being utilized effectively. Whether you have made a mistake last night or this morning, will never change the fact that you are the light. You are still the light. For as long as you are still here and Christ is within you and in you, then you remain the light. Okay? Go to Isaiah 42 verse 6. Isaiah 42 Verse 6. Um, Isaiah 42, verse 6. I, the Lord, yes, I, the Lord, have called you the Messiah. And this is given a reference to Jesus. I have called you for a righteous purpose and in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and will keep you. I will give you for a covenant to the people, for a light to the nations. So I will give you for a covenant to the people. In brackets, it shows the Israel, Israelites, the people Israel, for a light to the nations, which is which are the Gentiles, Akinasisi. We are the Gentiles. We know that we are not Jews. Even if Louis want to insist that they are because they eat Ugali and they eat quails, they are not Jews. They are just Gentiles like them. It's a very painful reality, but today I just say that I, I know I'm not a Jew. I'm just a Louis, but I can always force once in a while. Anyway, moving on swiftly. And he says, for a light to the nations, Verse 7, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who sit in darkness from the prison. Jesus has been, or was, appointed a light to the who? To the Gentiles. He was called indeed from Israel, because that's where his, uh, can I say, his biological lineage stems from. And he has been made a light to the nations. And this was before uh, 0 AD, when he was born. 
This is way back in the Old Testament. This is a prophecy that Isaiah gave regarding Christ and his coming. That by his coming, the world will no longer sit in utter darkness. The nation of Israel had been blessed, you know, with understanding of who God is, but they still did not, like, so they still did not accept him. They were still hard-headed and stiff-necked, stiff-necked, but stiff-necked. And by his coming, Christ got a different kind of illumination by the introduction of grace that will show forth, again, God's glory. And maybe one of these days we learn what it is to have glory because when we say the kabod, you know, the kabod rests on you and you start to feel shivering. I like how the male pastors usually say kabod because they come with a mungurumo, you know, shegadaba, kabod, glory. You know, I wish I could do that, but well, I will not do it. But what I mean is maybe one of we learn, try and understand what God's glory really means so that we can have a proper practical understanding of it and make it relatable to us. But Jesus has been sent as a light to the nations. That's a prophecy that was given way, way back before his coming. Um, we have Luke chapter 2, verse 32, which coincides with Isaiah 40, 42, verse 6. And it says, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. That's Luke chapter 2, verse 32. Jesus was a light or is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. This was a prophecy that was being fulfilled from Isaiah 42, verse 6, what we have just read, that he'll give as a covenant to the people of Israel and for a light to the nations of the Gentiles. John, verse 12 to 46, it says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. He has come as a light into the world to show forth the glory of God so that anyone who believes in him will not remain in darkness. We talked about the illumination, of the entrance of God's word being an illumination to ourselves. You know, it brings illumination in every situation and it also gives understanding to the simple. So by the entrance of, if you were to say the entrance of Christ into your life, there is light. And you cannot remain in darkness. As you acknowledge him day in and day out, you cannot remain as a stooge. You will not be stagnant. You will grow. You will be the light that has been set up on a hill that cannot be hid. And remember, it is not just as a glorified Christian, that even in Christian, you start condescending other religions. It is that they will also come to the knowledge of this same God, that they may receive the same light which you have received. Amen. Uh, John verse 3, verse 19 says, This is the judgment, for the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. This was explained, it's a, it's a, it's a build-up from, you know, John 3, 16, why Christ came, and now how they do not understand that he came. If they did, they would not have crucified him. And we move on and we talk about that the judgment that is coming is not that God is, doesn't like his people, the people he created, but is that they refuse. They, they do not heed to the call. They refuse to accept the light that came. John 3, verse 19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds are evil. 
And you can also understand this particular statement a bit more if you go to Romans chapter one and you start reading. I think I read it in the first series. So we're talking about the creation and how everything speaks out and you know basically shouts out that there is a God. But there are those who have hardened their hearts and their minds and choose to disregard the very things that are evident of God around them. John 1 verse 9, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. The light that comes into this world enlightens every man. John 1 verse 4, in him was light and the light was the light of men. We read another scriptural reference that talked about light and light and light. Yeah. Because I think it's still in, um, in John, I think, 8, 8 verse 12. Yeah. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Luke 1 verse 78 says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. It explains that Christ is also being called the sunrise from up above that he is a radiance of God, when he will come, there are things that he will do, when he gives us a visitation, there are things that he will do for us. First John chapter two, verse eight. On the other hand, first John chapter two, verse eight. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. And the true, right, the true light is already shining. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John chapter 12, this is actually, when we talk about because the darkness is passing, we're talking about sin. That sin has actually been dealt with. And now by his coming, He's, he's given us a different command which is about love, which is actually about love, yeah, and what the grace of God has accorded to us. Now, this particular commandment, by the coming of Christ and his dying and burial and resurrection, there is another light that is shining, one that cannot be hid. Right? John chapter 12, verse 35. John chapter 12, verse 36. Oh, um, verse 35, sorry, and 36. John 12, 12, verse 35 and 36. So Jesus said to them, you will have the light only for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, keep on living by it, so that darkness may not overtake and overcome you. He who walks about in the dark does not know where he, where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, have faith in it, hold to it, rely on it, that you may become sons of the light and be filled with light. Jesus said these things and he went away and hid himself from them, was lost to their view. Okay, comic relief to Dogo. Can you imagine? After just saying these things, and then he runs away, then he hides. And then, was he peeping, checking if they were coming, and then he, and he has trouble? Are you seeing me? 
No, you are not. Okay, I think God also had a really interesting sense of humor. Like, why would you be writing an ID? But it is well. Let's imagine you're going to pray. I'm not too sure. I think it's so funny. Anyway, so yeah, Jesus went away and hid himself from them. They were lost to that. I don't know why he did that. I forgot about being the light. Don't me. <laughs> That's funny. So those guys were doing here. Somebody saying that they wanted to make him president, so he was running away from them. And someone, I don't want too much. <laughs> My name is the one because after that, he talks about they did not trust him, even though he did many miracles. So I'm not sure that's the one, but. Let's just imagine, maybe it was that he was being hounded by the fact that this guy is going to crown me as a president. Yeah. So, and then he ran. So Acts, <laughs> uh, uh, in Acts 26, verse 23, um, 26 verse 23, that Christ was to suffer and that by that reason of his resurrection from the dead, he will be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. I think previously we have seen this verse has been talked about in Isaiah. It's really been talked about in Luke, in John. So we know that his coming was that he would be a light proclaiming the new dawn of a new era. Ooh, like a political statement. The dawn of a new era um, to the Gentiles as well. Above, uh, um, aside from the Jews, we, the Gentiles, are also going to benefit from that same um, revelation. Yeah. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 in whose case the god of this world has blinded their minds we read this we read this earlier on um but let me just get it because there's two other verses we need to get from there second corinthians chapter 2 uh chapter 4 sorry second corinthians Four, verse 4 for the God of this world has blinded and believers minds that they should not discern the truth preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ the Messiah who is the image and likeness of God we talked about this we talked about this that Christ indeed is the light and he has also been referred to as the image of the likeness of God in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 the next, uh, the next um, reading, just right there, after talking about the radiance of, of, of the person of Christ, it talks about him being the exact image of the Father, which we'll be dealing with in the next session. But it's just to reiterate that he is actually the light. There's enough scriptural backing. I think we have three more verses, four more verses to write down, and then we shall continue. Uh, from the same Second Corinthians 4, to 4, verse 6, it says... For God who said, let light shine of darkness has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth. Remember that word? To beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I want to read that again. For God said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts so as to bring forth the light, which is Christ, 
for the illumination of the knowledge and the majesty of the glory of God. He's illuminating the majesty and the glory of God. While you become knowledgeable of God's, can I say, grand, grandeur, God's, <laughs> if, as you become more and more acquainted with God's grandeur, yes, Kabod, you will now <laughs> begin to, you, you will, you will, you'll be able to actually manifest the same thing. You'll manifest the person of Christ that is already existing in you. I want you to understand that. As you understand this, as you understand that he has already shown Christ in our hearts through his spirit, and therefore we have knowledge of the majesty of God's glory through the acquaintance and the interaction we have with the person of Jesus Christ. As you relate with Christ with the knowledge of him being the brightness of God's glory, then you will have an understanding of God's glory. And therefore, you will now manifest it in your life. Yeah? You don't say, I tap, please, let me tell you, stop tapping into people's glory and grace. I, I tap. Really glorious. I tap. But what are you tapping? It's not a, a game. It's not a virtual reality game that when you tap now, you start acting like, no. The only person you're allowed to tap is Christ. <laughs> Someone is saying that you tap Kenya power. Don't tap that one also. No. I see you people. I'm not connected to my wire apple. Sorry. Comic relief. I remember in the days of suffering. <laughs> hey. So the guys from Kenya power used to come and kata stima for me and my housemates. And we, we learned the art of, of tapping Kenya power's glory. Let's <laughs> remember when somebody said, we were tapping that glory, and then every uh, morning we would untap it so that we, <laughs> yes, we would untap the glory, and then in the evening we would tap it until we were almost electrocuted. But it is well. that's a story for another day. But yes, please stop tapping into people's graces and tapping into uh, fellow human being glories. Please tap into Christ's glory. Amen. Let's agree. I, in fact, if you can't just say, I shall no longer tap into people's glory. Please. I am only going to tap into the glory of God. Because that's the one that we have been told. That he has shown in our hearts that by that illumination, we will have the knowledge of God's majesty and glory. And the acquaintance that is manifested in Christ Jesus, the son, the person of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Um, Another one, Matthew 17, verse 12. This just talks about the transfiguration, and you can see that the, by that particular miraculous event, a lot of light, and you saw his garments changed. His face shone like the sun. We find the same, uh, I think, the same scriptural references in Revelation as well, when he's describing uh, Christ, that his hair was almost golden. People love to say that Jews are blonde by that particular writing. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Jews are not blonde. Yeah, no, he's not African. He's just a beautiful light. Yeah, so he's <laughs> so it's his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. So that already was a preamble to help the disciples understand that he indeed is the light of the world, but a physical manifestation. John chapter one verse seven. He came as a witness. He's talking about John, John the Baptist. Verse two. 
Yeah, Matthew 17, verse 2. And then John chapter 1, verse 7, it talks about John the Baptist coming as a witness to testify about the light so that all may believe through him. He also says that he was going on to verse 8. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. He came to testify about Christ. That's what John the Baptist was doing. And that's what many of us do, especially for people who are unbelievers. We are testifying about the light that is within us. As they see us and they are attracted uh, to, to the light of God within us, then you have an opportunity to witness and testify of the light that is in you, who is the person of Jesus. Um, I remember there's a time when I was also, I have a lot of struggles. I was also struggling in my dating life. There was no one there to marry me. But there were people who were attracted to my light. And they were not people I wanted to be attracted to the light because for that purpose. I wish they were attracted to get born again, but they were attracted for another purpose. Eh? Yes. So as I was troubled by trying, why is it I can't get, I can't get a single guy who is, you know, born again, who loves the Lord. I'm just getting either a married man chasing after me, an unborn person, and born again person like and my friend is don't worry. Unborn again. And born again. But then you will not crucify me, yeah. I am the one at the podium. Smile. The mic is mine. Don't make me threaten you. That if you stop. Anyway, anyway, the person told me, Lynette, don't worry. It is God's glory that they are attracted to. I said, shut up God's entire. I am carrying God's glory. I am carrying God's light. They are attracted to me because of that. But I wish they were attracted to get born again. Not to marry me in that sense. But see what the Lord did. Amen. I have a testimony. I have a testimony. Nina Ushumuda. I found a bold man. I got myself a born man. Hallelujah. Okay, a born again man. And he was not only attracted to the glory of God in me, just for the gospel, but to make me his wife. And here I am. Yeah, I'm carrying. We are both lighting our house together from the entrance to the exit. Praise the Lord. Yeah, just so you know, we have two exits in our house. So, anyway, 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 I stop this. Um, well, (laughs) Acts chapter 22, verse 9. I don't know. Are the online people there? Eh? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if these people are making noise for you, just send me a, 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 a DM. I will silence them. And if I'm the one who's making noise, I'm not going to keep quiet. I am apologizing because I am at the podium. Okay. Anyway. I'm if I, can I interrupt a bit? Yes, please. Did you have a sitting today? Uh, I saw the link and I thought it's online. Yes, my dear Violet, we had a seat. We are having a sitting at the moment. Yeah, I realized there are some laughs around you and I realized maybe I'm missing out on something. Anyway, so I saw next week. Um, you did not think there were angelic presence? Angels Sorry? were? You did not <laughs> there were angels surrounding me laughing together? <laughs> 
Okay, so, so I'll, I'll make a point of coming next week. <laughs> okay, Violet. Karibu sana. Karibu sana. Right. So the last thing is, um, uh, the last verse that I'm going to read, Acts chapter 22, verse 9. Acts 22, verse 9. It says, and those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. This is actually ex, uh, explaining um, Paul's conversion. Because during his con conversion, there was a very bright light that blinded him. Uh, and then there was a voice that spoke to him, but they did not understand the voice. Um, so these are just basically scriptural references to emphasize that Jesus, Jesus was indeed the apaugasma. He was the one who was sent forth to bring light to us. He is the brightness of his glory. He is the brightness of God's glory. And for, for us to, 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 I think I have some scriptures I will share in the, in, in, in the chat that also gives uh, instances where Jesus appeared as a light in the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 1. And I, I don't know if you, if you want to understand this, that there is Genesis 1, we talk about when uh, the burning bush with Moses. Um, there is also the angelic representation when uh, this uh, Isaac, with Isaac, Jacob was fighting with, the, with the, the angels, asking to be blessed. Um, we talk about a light and there was a stream of angels you know, going back and forth as if they were delivering and picking some stuff. And there's one particular angel that Jacob fought with. And a lot of the times it is also sort of um, uh, illustrated that Jesus was actually the one that he fought with, you know. Uh, we will discuss that next week when talking about Christ's being, the being of Christ and how he's the exact image of the Lord and the fact that none of us have ever seen the Father except Jesus. So even in the Old Testament, where you're seeing, you know, uh, references that talk about, and I saw the Lord, and the Lord said to me, and the Lord was walking. I want you to understand that that was actually Jesus, because Jesus cannot contradict himself by saying that no one has ever seen the Father except me. Then you're saying in the Old Testament that I saw the Lord. That means that it must have been Jesus that we had seen. So even when you look at the light, he must be the light, the representation of light. The fact that he's very instrumental in this, in this whole participation of understanding the very essence of God and as a believer, we know that his, his presence, his, his, his positioning is very instrumental in understanding who the Father is. That's why in the beginning we said that he is showing forth, he's manifesting the glory of God. Through him being the light, he's manifesting the glory of God. If you want to see God's glory, then you must look unto Jesus. So you cannot start sidelining Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, his main role was just for the forgiveness of sin. And now he's done. Now I want to see God the Father. I want to see him manifest. I know there are people here who consistently think that Jesus, I, I think I've experienced you in my heart, but now it's the time for the Father, the Kabod, the Kabod, to come and now present himself here. Father, can you come down? Baba Shuka Chini to Kuono. There's no time Baba will shuka chini. It, he already shuka chini through Christ Jesus. Amen? And I, I'm going to say this loudly because a lot of our prayers sometimes feel very vain and immature. 
because you're refusing to have communion with Christ in that sense so that you can have communion with the, with the, with the Father. What is that? Scripture clearly tells us that he's the representation of Christ, of, of the Father in him. And he's the brightness of God's glory. And he says himself that no one, no one, no one has ever seen the Father. And he said, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. First, I should get that. It should be in John. As our parting shot. Yes, thank you, Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 18. No man has ever seen, has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God who is in the bosom, in the intimate presence of the Father. He has declared him and he has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and he has made him known. It is Jesus who has made the Father known. He's the one, he's the interpretation of the Father. He's the manifestation of the Father. You want to know the Father's love? Jesus. You want to know the Father's mercy? Jesus. You want to see the Father's grace? Jesus. You want to know and, and experience the Father's providence? Jesus. He's the one who actually held Abraham's hand. You know, when he's about to slaughter Isaac, it was Jesus. And that's why it was also one that Jehovah might provide that, Jehovah Jireh, because he had seen the, the God who provides. And because no man has seen God in his physical way, it must have been Jesus. You want to see healing, the Father's healing, it's in who? It's in Jesus. So there is no way you can sideline Jesus in your conversation. When you are ministering whatever it is that you want to minister, you cannot just say, I want to talk about the book of, I don't know, Esther, or you want to talk about the book of, of uh, Badiah, and you exclude Jesus. Jesus is there. He cannot be missing. You cannot just say, I want us to go and talk to the king, the father. He's the king of, you know, you can't. It is Jesus. Him and the father are one. Him and the father are one. So even as you go through the old covenant, the old testament, and I think I've mentioned this over and over again in our studies, make you pray to the Holy Spirit to help you see, may your eyes be open to see Jesus in every text. I shared something this week, um, though I, yeah, this week uh, about the genealogy in the book of Genesis. And it was something that we had stumbled across in all of our studies. And it was showing from the beginning to the end where, where it was talking about Jesus. There was, it was, in a genealogy, God was still explaining Jesus through Hebraic writing. I found that extremely fascinating. There is no excuse for us not to see Christ in the Old Testament if we study diligently, including even the book of Numbers. Christ is still represented there. Think of any book in the Old Testament. Jesus was hidden there. And that is why they say that the, the Old Testament is, 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 is Christ revealed. And the New Testament is Christ concealed. It's the other way around. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. And the New Testament is Christ revealed. Christ was concealed in the Old Testament. And he has been revealed in the New Testament. So when we talk about him being the effulgence 
of God's glory, the brightness of God's glory, the radiance of God's glory. We know that he is exuding God's beauty and character. Everything that Jesus does is a reflection of who the Father is. If you ever want to have intimacy with the Father, Jesus is, and it sounds like a tagline, Jesus is your man. He is the man. And the Holy Spirit brings that so clearly as he makes you understand scripture. As you read scripture, he brings that out with such fervency, yet with such, can I say, gentleness, that you will take time to understand who the Father is through Christ. One of the last things I'd like to just mention, when we think about God's glory being revealed to man, it is not something that you should take, um, can I say, it's something that fades, it's something that is light and you know, it's passing. His, his, his glory that is now within us is one to be treasured, is one to be, can I say, um, if you had something that is so precious to you, you wouldn't leave it openly, you would try as much as you can to guard it. And I'm, I'm tempted to think that when, when scripture says that guard your heart with all diligence from, from it, the issues of life flow, or that's, that's the uh, issues of, um, there, from there, from there, the issues of, of life actually, they actually flow from that. And I, I think about God's glory, and it makes me now revere the kind of relationships I would have with people who are of the same faith. Because they carry the same glory as I do. It makes me revere men and women of God who give themselves out to teach the word because they have recognized that glory that is within them and that you also share. But they don't want to discredit that glory. It reminds me of the great yet precious responsibility to safeguard this gospel that is within me. That I will not allow fleeting things to defile or take my, my mind off that glory. That I'm not just a mere being, but I am glorified with Christ. And I carry his glory. He had said now that he would share his glory with no man in the Old Testament. But it's true. He has not shared his, his glory with any man. He has shared his glory with his sons. We are his sons. He has shared with us. He has glorified us and he has put his own glory in us and upon us. So we can't carelessly say, God will not share his glory with anybody. He has shared it with you. You carry his glory. You are Jesus. And this is crazy, but I don't think you're crazy. It's okay. He's very saying. So you are the radiance. Yeah. You are the radiance of God's glory. Amen. You are the radiance of God's glory. Amen. 
You are the radiance of God's glory. You show forth his glory. You show forth his character. You show forth his beauty. You show forth every good thing that the Father has because you are the radiance of his glory. And Father, I thank you that indeed you have shared your glory with us. That you have made us see who Christ is. And by making us understand who he is, we understand who we are. And even more, we adore who you are to us. I thank you that we can see your love emanating through Christ into our lives. We can see your peace overwhelming us because we are partakers of that same peace. I thank you, Father, that you gave yourself that we may know who we are, that we may be indeed a light to a world that is blinded by darkness, that we'll be able to free people from their prisons of sadness and sorrow, that we're able to bring healing to a world that is plagued by disease and infirmity, that we will offer strength to a world that is weak and weary, that have been battered by evil and wickedness. I thank you that we carry the effulgence of your glory. We are the brightness of your glory to Christ. That we know we can be better people to the ones we are close to because we show forth your love. That we can be able to hold each other's hands in times of crisis, not because we want to be seen as, you know, more charitable or benevolent, but because the love that is within us from you compels us to be an extension of your glory to this world. So I thank you, Father, that today we are liberated from any condescending thoughts that made us think that we are less than what you have put us or called us to be. We know that we were ordained, we have been predestined, that we have been justified and we have been glorified with you. So we work with our heads high. We are able to speak the truth that we have believed. We are able to bring light to areas of our lives that are darkened by pain or regret or fear. Your word has brought light to those areas and we are able to shine forth and be hopeful and be joyful. I thank you that we are like blazing fires, that we are speaking such glad tidings day in and day out that our mouths are filled and are seasoned with the word that is needed to the world that needs to hear. I thank you that everything that we say will not break people down, but will build them back. That will bring healing to our words. That even if we correct, we know that our motives are not to bring lashing and to look at people with disdain, to, to basically you know, break people up. But our words of correction are propelled by your love. We will not hurt each other by what we do. 
because we radiate your love. We will take time to hear each other out because we radiate your love. We will not live with heavy hearts because <laughs> we radiate your love. It is such a beautiful burden to carry. It is such a beautiful yoke to have because it reflects your character. And I thank even for those who had once seen themselves as underdogs, that as they have heard this word, their hearts have been elated, they've been filled with so much joy. Their minds have been liberated to understand that they are not nothings in this world, but they carry your glory. They carry the brightness of your glory that they are so precious because they carry such a precious treasure within them. Even though they are earthen vessels, they carry such a mighty, mighty cupboard in them. Never I bless you, Lord, for this opportunity to know of you every single moment of our life and to graciously and gracefully and consistently transform us into the image of your son, Jesus that our personalities are vibrant. Yes, they are vibrant because they reflect the beautiful character that you have. We love you and we honor you today. And thank you once again. My heart is filled with so much gratitude. Thank you for this opportunity to teach. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed and have received. Amen. 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 Uh, church, we are done. Hello? Amen. Okay, are we there? Time for feedback. Please don't run away. I've seen already we're at 18. I'm watching you people. <laughs> I'm watching you. I'm watching you. <laughs>